a billionaire's in boxes production. Welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes. Uh, joined by Justin, as always. How are you doing, Justin? In your art gallery over there. Uh, here we go, yes. You know what? Someone actually, uh, I had a Zoom meeting today, and someone was checking out my mother's artwork, and they were like, hey, that's so amazing. And I can see the sunset in Africa. So, yeah, my art gallery, yeah. it's, all, it's all my mother's work. I know that that was your mother's artwork. It's my mother's artwork, yeah. No belief. Plug for, plug for your mother's artwork. That's fantastic. Plug for mom. Plug for mom. Great. We're joined by Doug Vermeeren today. Doug, I can't wait to get you on board. I mean, we, we were we were talking in our virtual green room beforehand, and uh, look, I'm excited to get going. Um, for those of our audience that I'm haven't... Excited haven't... Too. And go mom, hey? Mom's got some great art there. I agree with that. Go mom. Modern day Napoleon Hill. Uh, the man referred to as the, the world's best passive income coach. Needs, needs no introduction. But for those of you who haven't come across you, Doug, could you give us sort of a 30, 60 second introduction to you, buddy? Yeah, long and short of it is uh, I was raised in the poverty pattern. In other words, my parents taught me work hard for money. And when I was in my late teens, I ran into the book Think and Grow Rich. I wasn't just inspired. I actually became very jealous of Napoleon Hill, mostly because he had interviewed people like Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, the Rockefellers, that gang. And so I decided to go do the same. And so over the course of that following 10 years, I interviewed and learned from more than 400 of the world's top achievers. Many of them are still my friends and mentors today. And so very different than any of the gurus that you're listening to and people that you're talking to, I actually have firsthand sat down with people like the founders of FedEx, Nike, Reebok, the Avita Group, Christian Dior, Disney, Uber, uh, Ted Baker, you name it. I didn't just read their books, damn it. I sat with them and learned from them, and many of them are still close personal friends. And because of that, I really built uh, an immediate fortune. As a 19-year-old, in my first six months, I did $1.6 million. That's roughly $9,000 a day. And, and obviously, we're doing a little bit better now. But I've also, <laughs> yeah, that was just chump change at the beginning. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but since that time, I've also interviewed many more of the world's top achievers. I think I'm sitting around 700, so I've now had a chance to interview and be connected to more people than Napoleon Hill himself. That's, and that must be amazing to, to have surpassed. I mean, I want to call, call him a mentor in that regard. You were inspired by this so much that you went and replicated it. So it must have felt like a, did it feel like a bit of a bittersweet moment when you overtook the, the number of people that he, he'd interviewed? Well, I guess one of the big things that's maybe different is, um, I don't want to say that I cheated a little bit, but I expanded the rules of the game. Napoleon Hill in his day only really interviewed business leaders, right? Because that's the only people that were making money. But oh, yeah. since that time, celebrities now make a hell of a lot more than they ever did in the 1930s. And you've also got other influencers that are there, people who have created brands online. There's also network marketing now. And there's like so many business models that didn't exist in Napoleon Hill's day that, to be quite fair, and I love Napoleon Hill, so let's please be careful. But his view of what success really looks like at his day and age was very limited. I mean, he was interviewing Thomas Edison, who freaking invented things like the phonograph. We don't even use a phonograph anymore, right? So success has totally changed. It's evolved. You can actually make money a lot quicker. You can be a lot more successful than any of those guys were. In fact, the world record right now for the fastest zero to a million right now is six minutes and 33 seconds. Never could what? have happened in Napoleon Hill's day. Never. And as you can imagine, it was the internet that helped that happen, right? So, um, yeah, so things have changed. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm grateful for the shoulders that I stood on, but
but I also recognize times have changed. And most likely there'll be somebody after me when whatever technology comes 100 years from now that'll probably blow my studies out of the water, right? We've got to be relevant and current. Yeah. That's the key. Look how, look how quickly technology is, is evolving every, every year, every decade. You look back 10, 20 years and it already doesn't look like it does today. And I think, you know, I, 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 I look like this, right? My first cell phone looked like yeah, this. Back on, and, and now it looks like around. this. So it's exactly brutal, right? I mean, it's a similar size, but it does much more. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh my gosh. You know, it's crazy because, um, you know, we'll talk later about passive income, but I've got a lot of friends and people that I teach. And this has been one of the most powerful tools. This is my iPhone. This has been one of the most powerful tools. You can literally make millions with this, or you can simply check your email or, you know, be on Twitter or whatever. I mean, most people just don't know how to use the tools that they're given, and that's the big problem. Let, let's but, start. Uh, We're going to get really deep into this anyway, but I, I wanted yeah. to ask, you know, what is passive income for those people sat there doing exactly what you said before the misconception of what is passive income what does it actually mean yeah well there's there's a couple things that we need to point out about passive income uh, first of all uh if, if you're in a state of doubt saying oh yeah passive income i hear about that it's a pipe dream you don't get anything for nothing etc cetera, etc cetera. the truth is you don't get anything for nothing and that's the problem that most people misunderstand about passive income. All income streams are on some degree of active or passive. They're always on that continuum, right? So how much work are you putting in to be able to get the money that you have? So you need to understand that there's nothing that's completely passive, and there's also nothing that's completely active. Now, let me maybe just show you a really couple cool things. And I've got a whiteboard here behind me, so I hope that your, your people can kind of see this. The, the first thing that I want to share is just that word idea of income and passive income. This is actually the way that it should be said, not passive income, but income passive. So you really need to build the income before anything in your life becomes passive. You really need to understand the principles of how income is generated before you can make it more passive. Now, just to kind of tell you a really funny story that happened to me when I was about 19 that will really illustrate this for you. So when I was a young man, I had a, an idea for a business. And obviously, at the time, I was interviewing people who were millionaires, multimillionaires, even a handful of billionaires, like people who created massive brands. And so I thought to myself, hmm, if I get one of these guys to give me some money, this could be pretty cool. So I mentioned to one of them, I said, I'd like to do uh, this business idea. He said, you get me a business plan, bring it to me, and we'll talk about it. And so I spent all this time building this business plan, and I thought that thicker is better. You know, quantity in a business plan is better than quality of a business plan. So I just spent all this effort building this massive three-inch stack of paper that I could present to him that would hopefully make me look like I was smart, right? Yeah. And so anyways, I brought it to him, and he kind of looked at it, and he just looked through for a minute. And he said to me this, he goes, well, where are the transactions? What are the transactions? Now, I didn't ever hear that term before, transactions. What do you mean? So I, I kind of tried to BS my way through. I said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to market to these people here, and this is kind of blah, blah, blah. And he kind of shook his head and then kept reading, asked me again, said, where are the transactions? I said, well, this is the demographic we're going to go after, right? And this is how we're going to approach these people. Again, you could see that I didn't really understand. So we asked the question again, where are the what are the transactions? And then I started talking about, well, what we're going to have happen is I'm going to build this website, you see. And I just told, told trying to BS my way through it. Finally, he stopped me. And he said, you need to understand the transactions because without understanding the transaction you're trying to get people to do, it doesn't matter what the marketing is. 
because you won't know where to drive them. It won't matter what the demographic is because you won't know who you're after. You also won't matter about the manufacturing or distribution or any of these things because you won't really know what you're trying to achieve. So he drew me this little diagram. Are you ready? Here is passive income. Your life is about to become free. Pay attention. Here we go. This is you. Okay, it's a little happy face there, right? This. Yeah, I'm a pretty good artist. Maybe I can join your mother's art gallery. Um, so here is your customer. You'll notice they also need to be happy. And if there's time, we'll talk a little bit about fair exchange of value and how to create really easy ways to sell things to people that is almost automatic. But let's stay with transactions. So stick with me. So the transaction is this. You as a happy person here, you, you're going to provide for someone either an asset a service or information. Those are really the only three things that you can ever sell. Assets, service, or information. Now, what I mean by assets is like a tangible product. For example, I could sell you this pen. It's an asset, right? You could buy it. I could sell you a car. I could sell you a house. I could. Those are assets. Services, obviously, if you run a massage thing or you're a coach or whatever it is you want to do, that's service. And then information, we get that. We're talking about information now, right? Insights. Now, in exchange for that, this customer will give you money right i've drawn the american symbol for money but don't let that stress you out uh, we can make dollars that's cool man. there you go making dollars so this is again what that transaction looks like but now how do we make that passive the problem with most people is they feel like they're the one who has to facilitate it we were talking about the idea of leverage earlier on so let me show you what you really need to identify to activate leverage now to give this person the asset service or information there needs to be certain steps that are going to take place. Generally, those steps along that way have to do with three categories, either how you're going to tell someone about your business, which can be marketing, all these things, how you're going to sell someone that product or service. So that could be a salesperson. That could even be the processes or things for payment processing, collections, all those kinds of things. And lastly, service. How are you going to service this so that they receive it and feel good about it? And if there's uh, you know, uh, technical challenges, how are they going to be dealt with through customer service? And how are you going to, et cetera. So there's all these steps that go this way. But you know, there's also steps that go this way in order to receive the money, right? Uh, for example, you need to have a bank account. You need to have, uh, say, credit card processing. You need to have uh, a way to, again, have maybe a collection service or, or, or some kind of accounts receivable. So there's things that go this way and this way. Now, you're ready to see how you use the principle of leverage. Well, you need to use something called systems. And there's only two kinds of systems that you can use in the world. And if you use these systems to replace these, in other words, replace you, suddenly your income becomes passive because you're no longer involved, but the income structure still works. So what are the two kinds of systems? There's only two things that you can possibly do, two choices. You can either delegate it. In other words, you could hire somebody or find somebody or join bench with somebody, collaborate with somebody, license to somebody, whatever you're gonna do, right? You fill in the blank, it's gonna include somebody, delegation or automation. Those are the only two things you can do. You can delegate or you can automate. There's nothing else that you can do. And the more stuff that you can find a way to systematize, the less work you have to do and the less that you're involved. Now, I want to share kind of what I was talking about in the beginning about things being sometimes more passive than others. Sometimes you're involved more. Um, there will always be some kind of involvement. So, for example, even if you delegate everything away, you still have to manage and measure it. 
And that's an important part of passive income. Even if it takes you, you know, three minutes a day. Actually, here's here's a funny thing is um my buddy Tim Ferriss wrote the four hour work day, right? Or work week. Uh, how can just, just wait one week. second? Wait, 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 wait. You've been you've, you've been doing Nike, we're just dropping in these major names. My buddy Tim Ferriss was not a line I expected to just come out of your mind really casually. But there we go. You tell me about we're both members of the Tim National Ferris. Speakers Association. We met, was it in New York, probably about 10 years ago? So I, I can't even remember if uh, for our work we could come out. Welcome on the show anytime you like. <laughs> I'll pass the message. But here's the deal, and, and Tim might not like to hear this. He's talking about a four-hour work week. Well, if you do this right, I'm thinking about writing a book called The Six-Minute Work Day. You don't have to work four hours. Four hours is too much, my friends, right? If you build this correctly, you then have the opportunity to excuse yourself. And it becomes now management and leadership role that you're doing. And you're always on the hunt for better systems and you're always on the hunt for better people, right? So this is really what passive income is. So I hope that that really helps people. And then just keep in mind that I mean, the money is... I was going to say straight away, you, you look at the visual and you, the people who say, yeah, passive income doesn't exist. It's a pipe dream. They just simply don't understand the model. The business model no. remains the same. You just replace you with systems. Well, yeah, and the problem with most people is they've never taken the time to even identify what steps need to be replaced. Most people are conducting their business so heads in. It's that idea of working in your business versus working on. Most people are so in that they actually don't own a business. They're simply self-employed. There's a exactly. difference, right? Yeah. Now, one thing that I think is also important about this is if you're right now in the in the, in the viewership, the audience, and you're wondering – Okay, so um, I don't even have a business. I don't even have any enterprise. I don't have anything. I've got a job. Well, number one, there are things even within your job that you can replace to step away. And especially with this COVID virus, you found that your boss really doesn't need you in the office as often as traditionally it may have been thought. But if you are thinking of starting a business, and I always am apprehensive to use the word side hustle because there's so many gurus saying, wake up early, go to bed late, hustle, hustle, hustle. But not one of them dorks is telling you what you need to do. Yeah, right. Exactly. They tell you get busy, work hard, but they don't show you shit like this. Pardon the expression. Yeah, you're busy idiots. So don't become a hustler. Become an entrepreneur, and that's a totally different thing. And most of these guys don't understand it. So let me share with you. There's five areas where money is made, and if you want to now find a venture that's going to be reasonable for you, it's going to be in one of these five areas. So the first one is business. Right after, let's do that right after the yeah, break. Okay, we'll I'm straight into this. I'm going to get shouted at by the production team. And come guys, back because I've got something to give you guys. Yeah, exactly. See, even more juicy stuff. And if you needed more reasons to stick around, hey, we'll see you after the break. Hello there and welcome. I'm Bob Proctor. You know, people all over the world recognize me wherever I go, and I think it's because of the movie The Secret. The Secret went wild. Well, do you know, this movie that I'm in now, I believe it's gonna go the same direction. It's on thought. Thought's the highest function that you're capable of. This could be a movie that will change the direction of your life and lead you to everything you want because thought is the preamble to everything. I want to endorse this. I want to highly endorse it. You're going to move into a vibration watching this movie 
that you may have never been in before. It's going to affect you, it'll affect your mind in a very creative and a very productive manner. So make sure you come and watch it, but bring a couple of friends so you can sit down afterwards, have a wonderful time discussing it. I'll look forward to seeing you. listening to Billionaires in Boxes, introducing the best of the world to Africa and the best of Africa to the world. A professional investor has been since basically day one. So you can also do that. You can build massive amounts of wealth. Now, the interesting thing is that most people don't understand is that there is very close similarities to business and investment. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if I were to go in and invest in Apple, that means that I'm invested in a business. And they have all these employees and all these retail outlets and everyone who's te technically printing me money. So in other words, I've become a part owner in a business that I've never created or had anything to do with, except I just showed up with my money and said, I want in, guys. And that is a good consideration. We'll talk later, maybe in a different podcast or something, how to select good businesses to invest in, whether it's you personally or as an investor, because um, there's a really cool set of rules there. Uh, the next two that I just want to kind of share about is intellectual property. So again, let's do a quick review. Business, real estate, investment, now intellectual property. That means your ideas. This is the day and age for ideas, folks information. You can really make a lot of money on it. Uh, I was um, actually listening to Tony Robbins the other day, and yes, he's also someone that I know. Um, but he was talking about right now, this day and age, we've, we've been able to see that the educational system, the traditional school system has failed. Kids are going through it. They're dropping hundreds of uh, thousands of dollars on tuitions and um, you know student loans and all this kind of stuff. And when they get out, their education is absolutely obsolete. There's no value in it, and it doesn't work for them. So the future of education is not in the school system. The future of education is in self-learning, which is now we select what we want to learn, what's going to be most valuable for us, and then we attend that course. And we don't get into massive debt because we're specific. There's no more... Uh, you know, uh, there's no more distractions in classes by the kids that don't want to be there. So they're distracting the other people. Everybody's somewhere that they want to be. They don't have to engage with it. At, you know, it's 7.30, 8.30 in the morning when they're still half asleep. They can engage with it in the afternoon when it's nice and sunny on the beach when they're listening to the content and engaging with it. I love the ability to well, well, let's even, even take that idea on. deep. Before I, I share with you the final one, let's talk about that education for a minute, because I think this is really important. You know, when I went out and I interviewed all the top achievers around the world, um, I found that a lot of the stuff that the gurus were teaching right now is totally false, right? Totally false. There's so much information that's being given you that is given by somebody who read somebody else's book and they think they understand it. Now they're trying to call themselves a coach, a teacher, a mentor, and it's bullshit. So let me share with you. One thing that will shock you that I learned, you've heard a lot of gurus say, you want to become successful, you need to step outside of your comfort zone. That's totally the stupidest idea ever. I don't step out of my comfort zone. I don't. In fact, if you think about that, there's lots of things I'm uncomfortable with. I don't do my own dental work. I don't cut my own hair. I don't you know, file my own taxes. Like There's so many things that just are stupid. So what do top achievers actually do? They figure out what they're really, really good at. 
Yeah. And what Napoleon Hill said was right in the beginning, the riches are in the niches, if you want to pronounce it that way, instead of niche, right? Niche, but yeah. we get into, yeah, what we do is we get into our brilliance zone. You find out what you're really, really good at, and then you go deep with that. So even when it comes to learning, like intellectual property, why are you wasting your time reading every book that's out there, going to every seminar that's out there? You pick the crap that you need to learn, the very best of the best, and that's where you spend your time, and you don't fill your head with useless knowledge. And most books anyways are 80% fluff, right? You can learn so more by watching reviews that people have left online about the book and save yourself the yes. five hours reading <laughs> the book. That's a good idea. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Can I tell you an even better way to learn? The better way, I think, is you find the guy who created that company and you sit with him and you ask him questions. You up-level your network. In fact, your network is the most valuable thing you have. I see a lot of saying that sales is the highest value skill. Well, you know what? You have to have somebody to sell to. So your network actually precedes your, your, your sale. And the other thing that's kind of stupid about this too is while those guys are all trying to do their short-term sales, I'm off meeting somebody who has all my customers. So I'd rather spend time with somebody who's got, like for example, when we did my first movie, The Opus, we had a combined database of 38 million people. So why would I try to go out there and sell my movie in one-offs here, buy my movie, buy my movie, try and buy my movie. No, no, no. I'm going to hit the database with the 38 million people on it who are part of my relationship network and let them sell the movie because these people already have authority in that space to those people. So most people got it totally backwards. We'll talk more about that later. Let me just reveal the final one, uh, that final one. Remember, business, real estate, investment, intellectual property. And lastly, it is your networks. It is the networks. That's where you're going to make your money. You're going to make your money by those that you're attached to and those that you're dialed into. And that's the number one way. That's, in fact, e even my best opportunities in life and business have come to me through the people that I've known. In fact, even how you and I got on this call, this came from somebody that you knew. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was just going to say, actually, business asset. So regarding, you know, regarding the film, How Thoughts Become Things, we're interviewing quite a few of the people who, the coaches who, who shared their wisdom. We'll, we'll talk to you about a bit more about that later, but already there are business opportunities for us opening up with actually you do this and we do this and I'd love to do more over there and we could, and that's exactly how these things work, right? It's not one person sitting in a shed going, how am I going to dominate the world? It's let's bring together all these people who already have a good slice and then we dominate the world together. All wealth has been created by a team. If you look at the history of the world, all successful things have been done by a team. People got to Mount Everest by going up as a team. It wasn't just Sir Edmund Hillary with his backpack and said, one day I'm going to the top. <laughs> yes. It wasn't Neil Armstrong who said, I'd like to go to the moon and he's going to build the thing in his garage. He had all these people. And, and people don't win an Olympic medal by themselves. So here's the deal. If you're trying to get wealthy, if you really want to be successful in business, you need to build a strong network. That idea of your network equaling your net worth is the most true statement in all of personal development and all of success. The problem is, is that most people don't know how to build a high level network. They don't know where to find these people. They don't know how to talk to them. They don't know how to engage them. They don't know how to collaborate with them and also make it exciting for them. Most people show up at networking events as a taker or as, or as a giver, somebody that wants to just give, 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 and I want to be of service, but they don't, they teach people how to treat them. And so they're always treated like a doormat. And, and, and the other thing too, is that most people are going to the wrong events. You'll never do a million dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. You need to level up, right? If you want to really play at a high level, you need to go where the high level people go. And I so, think this is the the problem with most people is they, they don't know how to find that. So maybe no, we'll talk I about- I want to give you a really, 
I want to give you a really good example of that one that one that happened to me personally. It was probably a very it was probably the very moment that I had the realization that that was the case. Okay, but there's probably two of these simultaneously. Number one was actually funnily enough, Justin. It was back in your hometown. It was in Cape Town. Um, mm -hmm. I'd met with somebody from the tourism board, really nice person, who said uh, South Africa uh, uh, cricket team are playing the final day one day international uh, against Australia. We were hoping for a whitewash. You want to come? And I was like, I'd love to. And he's like, well, look, we've only got corporate tickets left. So I'm going to have to put you in the president's box. So don't wear shorts and T-shirt. And I was like, okay. So we arrived there and I'm sat next to this CEO of such and such a bank, owner of this airline, owner of this. And everyone's just sat there having a few beers, having a few nibbles. And I learned how business was done. Business was not done by me sending in a presentation that's nice and glossy that they have to read. Business is done with, so what do you do? Well, I do this, this, this. Oh, great. We, we've got a department that does that. Do you know such and such a person? No. Oh, I'll hook you up. Tell them I told you a call. There's the greatest relationship that you could ever ask for that's just happened whilst you're having a beer watching sport. I love what you just I talked mean, about. Just as, a, as, a, as an example as well, I mean, th this whole uh, BIB thing came around on, it started on LinkedIn. I mean, uh, as, as a, lot of, a lot of our people, you know, and the two of us met on LinkedIn and this thing is, in eight weeks, growing from there to, hi, I kind of like what you're saying. Let's talk to yeah. this. I mean, we, we're now, the, the, the sky is the limit at this point. Everyone is jumping on board because what we're trying to achieve and what we're saying makes sense. It's all value I, add. I, I, I love what Phil was saying, though, just a second ago. Phil was talking about that it's not the presentations that close the deals. And to tell you the truth, there are people within organizations that require the presentations and later on the accountants need to see that things have happened in a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. But I had an experience one time where I was chatting with somebody firsthand about a business idea. And in the end, we closed a $4 million idea just on a handshake. And so he said, well, we just need to get some paperwork behind it. And so I literally hired a virtual assistant to build a little document. I took it to him, like a little presentation, you know, a couple of inches thick or whatever. I gave it to him and he literally passed it to one of the other people. They put it in a file drawer, shut the drawer, and then we came in and picked up our check and no one even read it. I don't even think to this day someone's read it. Right. So <laughs> when, when the relationship is strong, when the relationship oh, wow. is at a high level, um, some of this, uh, busy work, if you will, means very little. And just a, a little note on business plans, which is kind of interesting. I was chatting with Frank McGuire one time. Um, he's passed away now. I don't know if you guys know the name. He was a mentor for me for a long time. He was one of the co-founders of Federal Express, Express, the former VP of marketing for all of KFC and American Airlines. And then he was also in the White House under JFK and Lyndon B. Johnson and stuff. Well, anyways, wow. one time we were talking about business plans and you know what he said the best business plan was that he ever saw? was when Fred Smith sat with him at the Holiday Inn and showed him on a napkin what FedEx was going to look like. You know, packages get picked up, they come into Memphis, we sort them out here and we ship them all out. That's how it's going to work. And he said, any other business plan bigger than that? He says, generally, like if you can't explain it on a napkin, it's not really a business. It's Most so people true. get too complex. And the other thing that's interesting about that is that everything changes. And so half of your efforts trying to come up with the perfect plan are a waste of time anyways. Listeners, write this down. Top achievers are not perfectionists. They're improvisers. And if you can't be an improviser in business, you're dead in the water, right? You're really dead in the water. And I think it's interesting too that as we were kind of talking with him about FedEx, 
even their very first night, I think you said it was November 11th, 1973, they went to deliver packages to even see if FedEx worked, right? And they had, I think it was uh, 13 or 14 packages on their very first night. Can you imagine? You got 30 people on the ground. You got all these big jumbo jets ready to ship them. All these packages come in. You got like 13 packages, right? And in fact, nine of them sent internally by its own company just to see if it worked, right? <laughs> and, and I'm telling you that if you wrote a big and saying this is how it's going to unfold, you won't you won't have any clue whether it's working or not until you actually get your money where your mouth is and you try the thing, right? You make it work. Now, the thing that's funnier about FedEx is for the the first, I think he was saying uh, something like 23 or 24 months, they were losing a million dollars of the investor's money every month. They just, it wasn't working. They were fine tuning it. And then finally they got their first big client who they named the company after the Federal Reserve. And that's why it's called FedEx. Oh, they named wow. it after their first client. And oh, so, um, you know, you got to keep plugging and you got to keep doing, but a business plan means very little till you're actually in the real marketplace, the real business world. Because, you know, the, the market doesn't care what your opinion is. The market cares what your customers do. That's a difference, right? And you even see a lot of times, like it's funny, one of my mentors who's a really high-level investor, I know we're going off track here a bit, but this might be useful. He said, whenever you're going to buy a stock, like a new company that's just appeared on the stock exchange, a lot of times people will really hype it up. You'll read in the Wall Street Journal that this is going to be the best, biggest new thing and everybody's excited about it. Well, he says, you know, you can pay for a review like that. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it's going to be. You can get a good friend to write you the review. You can, you know, different financial planners who have an investment interest in that, they can promote it and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean it's going to be hard. What he said, and this was interesting because when Starbucks was first coming out, I was interested to invest in Starbucks. But in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, $5 for a freaking chai latte, that's crazy, right? Like who's going to pay that, right? And 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 so I, I told this to this mentor and uh, he said to me, he says, what you need to do is you need to find a Starbucks in a, in a reasonably good area and just go stand outside and watch what people come out with and just watch and you'll see customer behaviors. Yeah, your opinion doesn't matter. If people are coming out and people are enjoying that and they're there, then it's going to be a winner. Same thing with Lululemon when I invested in that, right? I was thinking, who the hell is going to buy freaking yoga pants? Nobody even cares about yoga, do they? But I'm a guy, right? So that's how I'm thinking. So same thing. Go park outside the yoga store. So I park out there for a minute at Lululemon. And not only did I see, and maybe I'm going to sound mean, but yes, I saw all the good-looking yoga girls going in. And they, those yoga pants, they look good on those yoga girls. But I also saw people that should not be wearing yoga clothes going in <laughs> and coming out with big boxes. And to me, that told me that this has got a wider market than just Yo. yoga. Excuse and I the sat pun. there and pun. They, the pun. <laughs> coming up with some really big stuff. <laughs> no pun intended, really big stuff. Yeah, but uh, I think it's important that, that you do some observation. Another thing that was interesting that another mentor told me, and it's just some advice on, I guess, investing that they said, um, if you want to know a good market or city to invest in for their real estate, just go downtown and count the number of cranes that are building, right? Yeah. Like sewing cranes. Because he said that this is, again, a sign that there's growth in the city and that especially things like, uh, you know, uh, domestic accommodations are going to be at a premium. And, uh, you know, the, the same mentor said this, that if you're ever got a lot of money but you've also got time he said just take a ruler and a pencil 
find the main roads on the city where you live in, draw a line out about 20, 30 yards into the country, and that's the land that you want to buy because in about five or 10 years as the city expands, the city's going to want to buy that land back, and you can right now get it really, really cheap. And that's also been very successful as a strategy. Anyways, we're getting way off target. We've got lots of other things we want to talk about. What I want to do when we come back from the break. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to dive straight into brainstorming, which is my favorite section of the show anyway. So before we go, let me give away that passive income gift. Let me give away that passive income gift. Yes, please. So here's the deal. Just head over to www.passiveincomeunlimited.com. That's PassiveIncomeUnlimited.com. I've got some free tools there for you. You don't have to enter in a credit card number or anything like that. You just come get them. They're there for you. And these will help you build your wealth in a, in a dramatic way. So PassiveIncomeUnlimited.com. Grab it. I love it. The, the website is on your screen right now. I'm sure I'll head your way over there. If not, we will also, well, it will be, but we'll also be popping it in the Billionaires in Boxes Facebook group. So make your way over there. Well, as I said, when we come back from the break, let's head straight into brainstorming. Doug, if we may, I mean, we haven't even touched on all the stuff we want to touch on, buddy. Um, but if we may, I'd love to touch on, um, well, we, we have a very sh similar shared passion, albeit you've done, uh, you've done much more with it than I have, which is my gift to the world is interviewing people like you and sharing the things that are inside your head and, and actionable advice. So I want to know how you open those doors, brother, because the, the you know, the, the people who can really make a big difference right now, I want to know how I talk to them. So let's do that once we get back after the break. Love it. So join the Global Woman Summit 2020, which will be a beautiful and powerful virtual gathering of women and men around the world. And you'll be able to connect, to network, to learn, to gain the insight and the knowledge and the wisdom that you need to survive this, to thrive in this situation, to build your brand globally, to build your business and to build yourself up. Because once we get over this crisis, we are going to show the world that we, as women, can do so much. And Global Women Summit is going to give you everything you need to get that power and be successful in everything you do in life. See you in our Global Women Lobby at the biggest powerful platform that we have created for women during this corona crisis. You're listening to Billionaires in Boxes, Africa's number one entrepreneur broadcasting network. Okay, welcome back to Billionaires in Boxes. We're into brainstorming now. Um, I'm absolutely loving this, so let's just get straight into it. Doug, you, what can I say, brother? This has been absolutely incredible. But to, to, ask the, to go back to the question I asked just before the break, how do you do this? How You're talking about you know meeting these people and networking being so important to everything you do. How do you do that? How do you approach somebody uh, where you are right now at the beginning of this, you know, a few rungs up the ladder? How do you approach the people that are 10, 20, 30 million dollars a year and doing it? How, how can you add value to them in the book? I think one of the first things I think we need to just give as a context, and then I'll share with you how I started climbing the ladder. Most entrepreneurs, when you say to them, okay, you got a company, how are you going to grow it? Well, they say this um, what I'm going to do, and they ask the questions around what? 
what I need to do, what should I do, what can I do, and it's always what, right? The other question that they have is how. How am I going to do it? What is the checklist that I need to do? What are the, you know, and all of these things, and they're always what I and how I questions. And that's why most entrepreneurs are totally broke. It's totally the wrong question. The first question that you need to ask when you're going to write a business plan or do a business or anything Ooh. Who? Not even why. What, your why really doesn't matter because the truth is, is well, let me maybe explain that one quick too because I think that's important. Your why doesn't matter. Many gurus, remember I said a lot of gurus are feeding you guys stuff that's not true yeah. right now? Okay, so most people say I'm going to do a business that includes my passion and my purpose because that's my why, right? That's my why. The truth is, is if you're just focused on what you enjoy, like let's say, for example, you really love color coordinating your Beanie Baby collection, and that's going to be your business. Who gives right. a crap? Yeah, Nobody exactly. cares. You're going to be broke. So your passion and purpose is really a selfish thing, and it's going to keep you broke. Warren Buffett once said that what you love about your business is your hobby. What others love about you is your business. So what you need to really do, it's not about finding your why. It's finding how your why actually overlaps with the passion and purpose of other people. And the more people that it overlaps with and the more value you provide in that overlap, the more money you're going to make, the easier it is to sell. And I think maybe even most important about this sweet spot is there's a sense of validation there because money isn't the only thing. There's days when, in fact, um, we're working as hard as we can. And if nobody cares, it's really tough. But if you're working really hard and others say, man, I really appreciate that uh, thing that you did or that article that you wrote or that book that you did or whatever, now all of a sudden it becomes valuable. And it's not even about the money anymore. You just feel like you've done something worthwhile. So having that overlap is important. And no business can exist without a customer. So if you're the only one who's doing it for your why, and, and, and maybe you can't articulate it well, or maybe no one else cares, even if you do articulate it well, well, it's going to be a done business. If you don't make a profit, you don't get the privilege to continue. So even more important than a why is the who. And this is part of the who. But I'm going to suggest a stronger who that you need to know about if you're going to write a business. It's not how will I do it? How can I do it? What can I do? It's who can do it for me. That's the question you need to ask. That's the number one question in business. Who can do this better than me? Who will do it for me? I love what Steve Jobs once says. He said, we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. And so if you've got an idea for a business, if you're trying to be the one to figure out the answer and you've never done it before, like say, for example, you've got an idea uh, for a billion dollar or a million dollar company. Let's keep it easy. By the way, Harvard said the average person has $6 million ideas every year that could turn into a million dollar enterprise. But if you've never built a company over 50,000 or 100,000 or even 400,000, I don't care how smart you think you are, you'll never do it. You just don't know what you don't know. You don't know the system. You don't know the strategies, right? And so the question isn't, what can I do? Because you're going to do the wrong things. <laughs> you're going to do crap that messes up your whole program. So your question needs to be, who do I know who built a million-dollar business already that might help me, that shows me the structure, that introduces me to the people, that maybe gives me the funding, that gets me the distribution network, that points me to the customers? That's the most important question, who? And here's the other thing, too, is money, like real money. I've only got Canadian money here, but I'll use it as an example. Money. Okay, money, 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 money. Here, they're just playing. We say Canadian money inside Canadian money. 
This like lady here doesn't care about your why. No. That money, it doesn't care about your why. What it cares about is your systems. If you've got the systems to be able to facilitate that transaction like we showed earlier, you will make money. Your why is irrelevant, right? And, and it doesn't even care if you're the guy that set up the systems, right? As long as you're the guy that controls them, you will get paid. So that's a whole other conversation. You asked a question, let's get on with that one. How do you meet these top achievers? Now that's really what I teach a lot of, that's my forte. I know I'm right now rated the number one passive income guy, but it would never have happened if it wasn't for the right who, right? So the who has preceded my income at every level of the state. And I would say right now I'm probably, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I think my, my network itself demonstrates the truth of this. I'm probably the number one guy on the planet right now teaching people how to connect with high-level influencers. Bottom line is, is back in the day, you remember before the internet, they were saying that it was six degrees of separation. You've heard of that before. Yeah. Well, now with the internet, generally it's, it's one or two degrees of separation. And sometimes there's none. Sometimes you can even get directly to that influencer immediately. So now is the best time in the history of the world to learn how to grow your network. But the problem is most people don't know what to say when they get that. Okay. Now, let me maybe just share um, how my first big network started to be introduced to me. And then I'll share with you what I believe are what I call the 10 levels of introduction to get to anyone, right? And some of them obviously are more valuable than others. So when I first read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, and I knew that I wanted to uh, up-level my network, start surrounding myself with better people, I, I started with who did I already know? And you're going to have to do the same. Who already is in your current Rolodex? Because that's the best place to start. And there was one gentleman in there. My city is very well known for oil and gas. Like we've got lots of oil and gas multimillionaires in my city. And so there was a fellow that I knew through our church group who had done very successful in oil and gas, a multimillionaire. And so I started asking him if he'd be willing to mentor me and meet me regularly. So by the way, that idea of meeting a millionaire for lunch, one lunch is not going to do it, okay? So you need to have a relationship with people beyond just a one-time visit. It needs to really be a nurturing, mentoring thing. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to go to the gym once and then I'll be good forever. No, it doesn't work, right? You have to, it has to be part of your regular set of influence. You've heard it also said that the people that you spend the most time with, the five people, you become like them. So you got to spend time with them. So this gentleman, I was meeting with him uh, quite regularly, multiple times a week, sometimes for lunch or other activities. And I was seeing him, uh, I think it was probably about six months in or so. And at this uh, sort of this end of six months, he says, you've asked me a lot of questions already, but there's one question you haven't asked me that's going to change everything for you. I said, well, what's the question? And he said, you haven't asked me who else I know that you should talk to. And so as you can imagine, I'm on a mission to learn about success. And now he knows that mission clearly. And by the way, if you can't explain your mission clearly to someone else, they can't help you. You need to exactly. really spend some effort. And I'm not talking about an elevator pitch because you're not pitching. It's not a pitch saying, give me this, get me that. It's, it, if anything, it's a pitch to yourself to help you understand with clarity what you're looking to, to gain, like what you're looking to achieve. And if you can explain to someone that in a way that, um, and we can talk more about this later, but in a way that they want to help you and that they get it. And by the way, this make it till you make it stuff that everybody says, that these other gurus, that's the biggest lie that there is. And think about this logically. If you come to a billionaire and you're pretending you're the richest guy in town, he spots you a mile away and he says, what an idiot. 
And he will not risk his reputation to help you or get involved with you because he knows you're a jackass, right? And so this is it. If you're faking it till you make it, being fake rich, um, you're going to be eliminated from the pile. And everyone will know it will be a public execution. Everyone will know who you are by the time mm. it's done. And if you look at well, some of the wealthiest people in the world, by the way, and this is something about the personal development industry and any industry, but specifically personal development, um, he who tells you how much money they have has none. They really have none, right? Um, rich and wealth do not, um, it's not synonymous with desperation or the desire to be liked, right? Those that are wealthy really don't care what you think or if you like us, we don't really care, right? And you know what's kind of interesting is uh, there's a really great book uh, by Thomas Stanley, Dr. Thomas J. Stanley, called The Millionaire Next Door. I encourage you to read it because it speaks volumes of truth. The ones that are the wealthiest are not wearing the nicest clothes. In fact, if you see some dude in a flashy Gucci suit or whatever and all that kind of stuff, you know he's a fraud, right? Because that's not the way rich people roll. Take a look at guys like Warren Buffett or um, you know, Bill Gates or any of these kind of people. That's not the way they roll. Now, I'm not saying that I dress nice, and I'm not saying that I don't have nice cars. I actually have a Ferrari 360 Medina Spider, but I do not post it on my little Instagram with me all so excited that this is my vehicle. It's none of your damn business, right? It's none of your damn business what I do. And the, the, and, and the other thing, too, is when I'm speaking at an event, I'll show up nice. I will wear a suit. But I'm not going to get the sparkliest, flashiest thing that you ever seen in the whole planet. I buy things because I like them. I don't buy things for you, right? Especially if you're meeting someone and you're only spending a, you know, 15 minutes with them. Why would I be so foolish to invest all this money to impress someone that really means nothing to me? So just keep that in mind. You know, you can spot rich people in a room. It's easier than you'd think. It's not the flashiest guys. Generally, it's the most humble people. In fact, here's something interesting is... We were talking a minute ago about Frank McGuire, um, and, and this goes with your line, how did I meet some of the most wealthy people? Well, I was at a, a speaking event uh, for the National Speakers Association where top speakers from around the world come. And as you can imagine, people whose profession it is to talk, <laughs> there's a lot of big talk going on in that room, right? <laughs> and, and as I came out of the conference room, and believe it or not, I'm normally kind of a shy person. <laughs> you didn't get that from this, no way. for sure. But definitely, I'm if, if I'm at an event, I, I'm pretty quiet at the back of the room. I don't say a lot. And as I came out, uh, I was watching the crowd, and there was this gentleman, you know, distinguished, nice-looking gentleman, dressed nicely but not over the top. And he would just be kind of part of conversations, and you just see him listening. And occasionally, he would ask a question, but he would never talk about himself. And so, you know, after kind of seeing him like this for a few minutes and stuff, well, after you know the groups kind of dissipated and changed a bit, I kind of cornered him and I said, "Hey, you know, um, my name is Doug Vermeeren, and who, you know, nice to meet you and all this stuff. And who are you?" And it turned out that that was Frank McGuire, one of the co-founders of Federal Express former VP of marketing for KFC and American Airlines and all these other things. And that's what I've noticed is that the higher the net worth of an individual, the higher the, um, you know, even self-confidence or accomplishments, they're generally the ones who are quiet and they're also the ones that are curious. So look for the man who's asking questions and not talking about himself. And you'll find that that's generally somebody who's a lot more successful. Uh, interestingly enough, um, one of my friends that I was speaking with already this morning, uh, he's a big real estate guy from our city here. He, uh, he His net worth is just over $800 million. Like He's a really high player in our city. And uh, as I was chatting with Brian this morning, 
um, you know, something that, that he had talked to me about earlier is that just remember that top achievers, high level people are always in a constant state of what we call market research, meaning they want to know what people think. They want to know what people are wanting, what people's desires are, right? So now I promised you I'd give you the, the kind of introduction things. I'll, I'll give you maybe five out of the 10 that are probably the most valuable. The first one, if you want to meet someone successful, yes, always ask that question, who else do you know that I should talk to? But then when they say to you, oh, like I know so-and-so or whatever, ask them to do a personal introduction to take you by the hand. And if it's at an event and that other person is there, get them to take you to that other person and introduce you to them, okay? Because that mutual connection, that's the strongest way for you to, let's call it sort of leveraging their authority, the credibility of what they come. They've already got the relationship. In fact, um, I can't tell you how many times I've used this to meet famous people and top business leaders, even movie celebrities and others at that level. It's those personal introductions go a massive, massive way. Um, you know, in fact, uh, I'm, the one that I'm thinking of offhand is uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Mike Tyson. Actually, e even even more fun one. Let's go with the more fun one. A friend of mine introduced me to Anthony Daniels, who is C-3PO in Star Wars, right? And so um, I just put this up on YouTube, by the way. I did a really cool interview with Anthony Daniels on May the 4th, right? May the 4th be with you. Yeah, get it. And, Love uh, it. Yeah, and, and that was an introduction through a mutual friend of ours. And then suddenly he became my friend and he trusted me and liked me and agreed to do the interview, which he normally doesn't do a lot of interviews. If you, if you go to YouTube and you type in Anthony Daniels interviews, generally only with top TV stations, and he doesn't get on anybody's podcast. He's just not interested in that. Yeah. But he did for me because of the introduction, right? So number one is a personal introduction uh, in person. The next thing is, is to have an introduction done by telephone. And I'm talking a three-way call now. If someone calls and says, hey, I've got this buddy. You know, he wants to meet you. I mean, that'll help, but the better way to do it is a three-way call. And thank goodness for technology, we can do that. I guess close alongside that would be like a, a Zoom meeting or a Zoom call. In fact, one of my friends is an Academy Award winner. He did the movie, What Dreams May Come with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ron Williams. And um, uh, another friend of ours uh, has some pretty pockets. So we're looking at building a TV show now. It's changed a bit, but the introduction was done through Zoom, right? Wow. And so I introduced two of my friends together, and you know, together the three of us are now doing a project. So use this, use that that's there. Another way that I see that's a successful way to do introductions nowadays is obviously through social media, and uh, people can do like a group chat on Facebook or things like that. But because you're on a group chat, it's really easy for me. If somebody introduces someone to me, I can immediately click on their profile and see kind of who they are, who they hang out with. And by the way, an important rule of thumb in, in networking that um, you know we talk about in our training is something called the law of association. Mm -hmm. And so I can see by his profile who he's associated with, who are his friends, where's he going to events, where's he spending time, how are his values the same as mine? And by the way, that's an interesting insight too. You heard that your network equals your net worth. It's not just about money. It's also what does your network find to be of worth? What do they value, right? And you can see that we gravitate to those who have the same values as us. So you could also say instead of our network equals our net worth, that our network equals our values. And so I can immediately check on somebody's profile. Like if, um, if they're a big party, crazy kind of person, blah, 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 blah. 
I, it's not really my groove, right? Like it's not my thing. I like to have fun, but I'm a family guy and I like to be relaxed. I'm not a drinker and I don't go out partying and all this kind of stuff. So there's certain people that I resonate with versus others. And you know, what's kind of funny is, um, you know, there's a, a handful of, uh, you know, people that I've met in the entertainment business. In fact, I'm thinking of one specific Canadian band. They, they're, they're not on the top of the charts anymore, but in the 80s and 90s, they had lots and lots of number one hits, a band called Platinum Blonde. I don't know if you've heard of them, probably not. But um, anyways, uh, as I met with them and got a chance to know them and through their social media, I realized that they had a lot of values like me. And so we become really, really good friends, right? So I can see through social media that there's a public image, but then there's also who they really are. And sometimes that's really good to be able to separate the two. Um, now, obviously, the next one maybe we could talk about was an introduction by email. People talk about that all the time. I think those are good. Follow up on those. Don't let them sit in your inbox for a long time. Follow up with them as they do it. In fact, one of my really good friends is Dennis Waitley. You guys probably know Dennis. He was in our film, but he's written endless books and stuff. He's really good at doing um, email introductions, but you need to follow up right away. One of the introductions he just did for me was Dr. Mehmet Oz. You know, Dr. Oz, who's got the Dr. Oz show. Oh, yeah, 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 so you got to follow up on those right away because while it's in his mind, there's so much going on for busy people. I guess that's a thing, the way to look at it is top achievers are always active and they're doing things really, you know, there's always something on their plate. So if you let it sit, you get forgotten, right? You just get forgotten. Now, here's one other that I think is worth mentioning. And um, nobody, nobody really asks for these anymore. If you look at Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich, to remember how he got to meet those people was that Andrew Carnegie gave him a letter of introduction, right? Well, most of the time when people like entrepreneurs nowadays are meeting with clients, they ask for a letter of testimonial, right? Like, give me a review. Give me a quick, you know, couple words. But you never ask for a letter of introduction. And we should. Because those do go a long ways. And I have had, um, and, and even if it's not a letter of introduction, just simply having that mutual connection. Like, I was in London not too long ago, uh, downtown. And you might remember that Cuba Gooding Jr. was doing Chicago you know, on Broadway in London. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is I know people that know Cuba. I've never met him. I never had met him up until that point, but I knew friends that knew him quite well. And so, you know, I talked to some of the people who were working there and I said, yeah, you know, I'd like to meet him. We've got some mutual friends, blah, blah, blah. And so it kind of worked out that they let me kind of in because I was sharing who these friends were. One of them was a top casting director that did all his stuff on Rat Race and Snow Dogs. The other was uh, my friend who won the Academy Award with him in that movie. So obviously there's a lot of respect there. So Cuba and I got a chance to meet because I leveraged almost like a letter of introduction, but I didn't have the letter. I just knew the connections. So those are some things that I've done to kind of get to high levels. But let me also just maybe share one more. And we talked about this before we got on this call. And that's certain kind of events. Remember what I said earlier? <clears throat> You'll never do a million-dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. Well, there are certain events that you can understand or that you can attend <clears throat> Excuse me, that will make a really big difference for the kind of contacts that you can go to. So we're looking at doing some big, high-level networking events, probably in Cape Town, definitely in London, and other places around the world. Right, cool. and so you need to find a way to get invited to some of these events, <clears throat> and sometimes, sometimes they cost a little bit of money to attend. Like when I met Oprah Winfrey for the first time, I paid three thousand dollars per plate to come in and hang with her. Right, three thousand dollars each. That's six thousand dollars for two plates to come in and meet Oprah Winfrey. Was it worth it? Heck yeah! In fact, I did it again so I could meet Ellen DeGeneres. Right. Cool. 
So don't be afraid to spend money. I think the most I've ever spent to get into a charity event to meet someone was $25,000 so far. I mean, if, if you, if you had certain people, um, at these high levels that not, not just a, <coughs> excuse me, a speaking event where they're there speaking and you watch them, but a place where you get to mix and mingle and actually have a connection with them much more valuable. And so I'm going to just suggest, you know, things like charity events, fundraisers, award ceremonies, galas like that, much better than sort of your, you know, let's go to a breakfast meeting or a dinner meeting and stuff. I mean, those can be valuable if they're the right things. You just have to be more careful in selecting them. And um, maybe I'll put in a little plug here. With these two fine gentlemen here, we're going to be doing some events. And if you want to be involved in being some of these top achievers, like nothing will grow your business faster than having those connections. Um, reach out to these guys and, and get on their list so that when these things happen, you can pull the trigger and you can be there before all the tickets are gone, right? You, you, what do we say that proximity equals power? And so even with these top achievers, one of my uh, friends speaking back now to this idea of investment, he said that oftentimes when the general public knows about an idea, all the money's gone out of it. Like the big money is gone. It's already been made. Those that were close proximity that found out about it at the beginning, they've already made their money. When it comes to the public, yeah, there's a little bit of scraps that are there, but all the big money's already gone. So get close to these gentlemen so you can be close. Power and proximity. You want to be right up against it. And and that's the other thing too is if if you're among the first that always say yes. So for example, when I heard that Oprah Winfrey was going to be at this event, I said yes. And I was one of the first ones. You know what's interesting? Is since that time that friend that made that introduction always reaches out to me first because he knows I'll buy a ticket right away. Yeah. Why would you try and weed through a bunch of other people to try and convince them when you've got a hot list of people that you know always respond quickly? So that's a really important thing. If you want to rise in life, respond quickly. And you'll teach those that have access to the people that you want or the opportunities that you want that you're always the person they should approach first. That's really important. 100% right. 100% right. Doug, we... That's a good brainstorm for you on that. Look, I want to do like a... I want to do a whole series of this stuff with yeah, you, my friend. We're doing one right now. In fact, we run a program um, called the Highest Value Skill. And part of that is another program I run called Networker VIP, where every single week, not from me, but I actually bring one of my top achievers on and we interview them. And they tell you what they look for at events, why they help certain people, why they avoid certain people at events. Like we've all been to networking events. It's like, oh, yikes, the circus is in town. Right. And we stay right from that corner of the room. Right. Um, but there are people that we resonate with and that we click with. And then how do you engage with them and how can you work with them? And they also share how they use their networks. And so um, this week alone, I interviewed Chris Brown, the co-founder of Ted Baker. He's been a friend for a long time and he'll be coming out some of the events. Uh, Frank Shankowitz, who is the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Right. Uh, who else do we have in there? Um uh, people like Brian Smith, the founder of Ugg Boots. We had um, Howard Putnam, the former CEO of Southwest Airlines that I interviewed this week. Luann Mitchell, who is uh, rated Canada's number one uh, female entrepreneur, three years running uh, from Mitchell Fine Foods. And I mean, so many big names that you know, we're not speculating here. And I think this is the problem that a lot of gurus do. They think they have the answer. So they share with you what they think it is. And 99% of the time, they're totally way off target. Right. So I don't mess around with that. I'm going to, you want to know how to network at a high level. I'm going to bring in some high level people. Let's get them to tell you. Right. In fact, yeah. coming up, the, the, the former president of Mexico, Vincente Fox is coming on. Uh, we've got like, I've got some crazy connections, guys. We've got some people here that 
movie stars, celebrities, athletes, people that created multi-billion dollar businesses, they're going to tell you how it is. And they got no programs to sell. So they've got no motivation to give you bad information, right? That's the so thing. Doug's going to be joining us uh, in a pair of boxer shorts next time because he's joining billionaires in boxers. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know this yet, but he's joining billionaires Funny. in boxers. We're just, we're just some custom to- branded boxers well actually speaking uh, about boxers you know who i'm gonna call i'll call bill farley he's a friend of mine the former ceo of fruit of the loom underwear he's the former well, ceo of fruit of the loom he also owned christian jeans and the Chitano sportswear and california citrus so they've all got nothing on billionaires in boxes i promise you some custom boxers we've even got female viewers uh that are keen to wear our boxes boxes so, uh, yeah, let them hook us up and then uh, we'll make some BRB boxes. Nice. 100%. Sounds like there could be a nice contest plan. in the works here, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Design a boxer. Nice. I'm going to lose that, that contest so badly. But let's get somebody else to model them. I'm using Doug's rule. <laughs> well, you were just talking about some of the females that you've got. Actually, speaking of someone else modeling them, uh, I was chatting with Bill Farley about that with Food of the Loom one time. And uh, one of their best strategies that they did, and they did it even before Nike was using athletes to do the shoes, is that they would actually get high-level athletes and people to wear their boxers. And obviously, they're ripped and they look good. In fact, I can't remember the boxer who he had, but he had, um, I want to say it was Evander Holyfield who was wearing Fruit of the Looms for them. But that's what they did is they got big names to do that. And, and that's what sold their brand. And then now Nike does it and other people do it. So it's a pretty common thing. Like I'm a big, like one of my hobbies is I do mixed martial arts and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Wow. And I now see how, how Reebok has totally overtaken the UFC, right? Which is a smart move on their part because it used to be that the UFC fighters could kind of do side deals with people like Tap Out and, and everybody else, right? Bad Boy, you know, whoever. But uh, they can't do that Reebok because they, they'd lost a lot of the – I mean, during the 80s and 90s, they were, they were there, but they'd lost a lot of the amazing sports. So I remember the, the Premier League, for example, uh, English Soccer League, um, there was at one time maybe four or five teams that would have had their kit done by Reebok, and they lost them all around the space with two or three well, seasons. You, well, you know what's really funny? That time you're talking about, I know very well the CEO who was there. Maybe we'll get her on. Um, but she was – yeah, she was CEO of Reebok and Apparel, their shoes and apparel, Marilyn Tam. And she was also, funny enough, with Nike as well. So she worked for both companies. So yeah. she wow. saw the difference that was there. But, yeah, Marilyn's awesome. But, yeah, I know the inside story of Reebok, I'll tell you. Yeah, how can people get in touch with you, buddy? I mean, uh, we're, we're going to get you back on the show. We'll do another separate yeah, podcast. I, 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 don't, I really don't need any. Uh, I, I really don't need any other phone calls. So no, I'm just kidding. What I'm going to say is, if, if you resonate with kind of my style and the way that we grow businesses, first of all, we've got tons of free stuff out there that you should check out. You don't need to come to me with your wallet. So YouTube, type in my name, Douglas Vermeer, and we got tons of free information there. Instagram, come follow us. Tons of free stuff that we post regularly. Uh, you know, and then my Facebook and, and everything else. But my website is DouglasVermeer.com. Obviously, come to some of our live events. That's where it's really, really fun, and you're going to meet these people. But don't come unless you dig me. If you like my content, yeah. show up. Be there, part of our tribe. If you don't, it's cool. There's lots of other people that are out there. Um, but if you like us, hey, join the party. That's all I'm saying. You know, John, you. I think you, we love you. Because oh, by you, the way, you fit, you fit, come, you come fit, see you the movie fit, too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even plugged the movie. We've literally yeah, done all the movie. stuff that we've not plugged. But, but you know what? Maybe happy to come back and do that another time. But let me just in a nutshell tell you about the movie that's, that we've done. This is my fourth movie right now. And um, 
all of my movies thus far have appeared in the top personal development films, so we're in the top 10. If you like The Secret or films like that, but you're still wondering what the next step is, how do your thoughts really become things in real life, this is the movie for you. We've got in there people like Bob Proctor, John Demartini, uh, Joe Vitale, John Ostroff, Marie Diamond, Dennis Waitley, Bob Doyle, handful of other really great people, top people who really understand the power of thought and manifesting in real life. And so you can find it right now. You just head over to, uh, and you can put the link up as well, www.howthoughtsbecomethings.com. So the actual name that you see there, howthoughtsbecomethings.com. And uh, you'll love it. Right now it's getting in incredible reviews. And so it's, uh, it's really a, um, a life-changing movie, not just kind of a motivational film, but it's really got some practical things that you can do, which I think is a big value and benefit. And you're so right. We talk about actionable advice all the time. Doug, you've been an absolute star. Um, I know our editing team are going to be going crazy at me right now. Nah. But it's but fine. It was, it was same as Shida yesterday. I mean, Shida, we, we spoke to an hour and a half. We got a message. It was like, you realize this is an hour 45 and you get 44 minutes, right? It's like, that's okay. You'll make it work. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's funny. Well, happy to do it again. Oh, you yeah, must, happy you, to do it honestly, again. I'm sure we'll have fun. This is brilliant. Stick around until afterwards, but guys, until next time, stay remote, stay global. In Fox's production.